The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's it like to see your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Yeah. Welcome back, divas and divos, to another brand new episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film and TV. I'm your host, Steffi. And before we get into it with our guest, if you aren't already following the podcast, make sure you're following us. We're at Diva Dailies Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email us, you can email us at divadailiespod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call us. We're 714-729-3121. And if you want to suggest the podcast to anyone into divas do that and rate review and subscribe so back with me once again class is in session we have miss Kristen. hello yes Kristen is back how are you Kristen? I'm good. How are you? Is my is my sparkles playing right now? Yeah, they should be playing. <laughs> we'll make sure that they're playing loud and clear. All right. Well, let's just, I guess, get into our first segment then. It's our Oscar and Razzie moment of the week. This is a segment of the podcast where we talk about our personal high point and low point moments of the week. So Kristen, guess first, what's up? Uh, that's a great question. What is up? I feel like... <laughs> The weeks all blend together, and then I I don't remember what happened this week, last mm-hmm. week. What day is it? Right. My Oscar moment of the of the week is that I became a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, and that was very exciting. All right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Thank Congrats. You. And then my Razzie moment of the week is just that you know we're still uh, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I guess I uh, I don't know what's happening anymore. Mm. And uh, I probably need to go outside. <laughs> What's like the status of Corona where you're at right now? I think it's still pretty much the same as last time, which is just that it's like some places are starting to open up a little bit. Places are doing like outside dining, but it's definitely not back to normal yet. Oh. My friend uh, actually took the train into the city this week and she was saying that it was completely quiet there's like nobody there it's like desolate i was like whoa oh wow she was like i feel like i'm in like the twilight zone or something because i haven't been out there isn't it not as bad though in new york anymore like i think it's still fairly high but it's not as bad as it was at one point yeah i think it's been getting better okay but it's still you know very quiet around yeah i can imagine it's like very different especially for new york Ugh. well I would say hopefully by the time this comes out, it's different. But honestly, at this point, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Well, I guess I'll move on then to my Oscar and Razzie moment of the week. Okay. So my Oscar moment of the week, I have two. So first Oscar moment is that I was recently on Kristen's first episode of her brand new YouTube live show called Pop Culture Planet, which thank you for having me, by the way. Thank you for joining me. I like, see, so many things 
happen, but also don't happen during the week. So it's like, I don't remember <laughs> what, when that was. That was a little last week. Chris is like, that was last week? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was so fun. Thank you so much for joining me on that. I was very nervous, but I thought it came out pretty good. Yeah. I think it came out nice, and I appreciate you joining me, and hopefully you'll come on again in the future. Oh my gosh, of course. Just let me know. I was just like, first of all, very impressed, because Kristen's pop culture live show she's going through so many topics but like i feel like we do get a good sense of each topic it's not just like a very surface level thing like you really do delve deep but the fact that you managed to cover so many is really really great and i was also just like oh my gosh it's it's sharonda from pay or wait so it's like (laughs) i can't believe like i'm on this with sharonda (laughs) she's probably like this girl's like a little crazy <laughs> yeah that was like the first time we've all been face to face or like yes it was very wild but it's good because then we can like actually see people <laughs> you i know, know. Like, it's cool that we got to all like pretend we're actually in person in front of each other instead of like miles of like miles away in our homes locked up <laughs> i know isn't that like so crazy with the internet like that's that's possible now yeah like obviously mm-hmm. but it's just like it always blows my mind i'm just like wow crazy yeah and i can't believe that the program worked i was like five seconds before i'm like oh my god (laughs) oh you just bought it like minutes before no i bought it like a couple of days before and i tested it out but not like live oh so i didn't know like what would happen when i like actually went live oh it was fairly simple so i was like okay good when i practiced it was like internally Uh uh-huh but it worked oh that's so good and i was like so impressed too at one point like you started playing clips and i was like oh my god she's playing (laughs) clips trying to bring some production quality I guess. that was really cool i was like wow kristen has a variety she has the visuals <laughs> yeah i thought you did a really good job as host obviously oh, I was thank like, you All right, kristen here we go so if you guys haven't listened to that or seen it it's been i feel like probably a month or so now by the time this comes out since we've done that where can the people find your pop culture live show kristen yeah so you can watch it live on thursdays at 6.30 p.m. EST on my channel, youtube.com slash kmaldo. Or if you're like, I don't need to see it live, I'll just listen back while I'm doing something else. You can listen on pretty much any podcasting platform. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you look for podcasts, you will find it. Yes, so make sure you like check it out because Kristen does a really good job on that show. Thank you, my friend. Well... My second Oscar moment of the week is that yesterday at the time of recording this, it was my birthday. Yes. Yes. Woo! Birthday queen. Woo! Yes, that's right. You guys know you can't really do much when it's your birthday nowadays. But I, (laughs) I was very pleased with the way I spent my birthday in that I just ate a lot of food. I was going around the town just doing my little pickup deliveries of all the different food that I wanted. And I was like, yep, this is it. Also, right when it hit midnight, I had to make sure like I was in front of my smart TV and I had Michael Jackson's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough like queued up. (laughs) So right when it hit midnight, it was like that. And I literally, Kristen, you'll like this because you work at MTV. I watched like 45 music videos like in a row. I feel like honestly we're of that last generation that really loves music videos. Mm -hmm. So I was just like having a grand old time marathoning music videos like back in the day. That's awesome. I saw you were also doing a a Whitney watch through (laughs) right before then too. So you must have been like (laughs) 
living your best life as it happens you guys know listeners know that Whitney's my favorite diva so Whitney's birthday was August 9th so it's like oh hello obviously we have to marathon the Queen's music discography Mm -hmm. so I marathoned all of her videos on August 9th and then on August 10th it was the anniversary of Michael Jackson's off the wall album and that's my favorite Michael Jackson album and then August 11th is my birthday so I was literally going back and forth between Michael and Whitney videos pretty much for however long it took me to do that it was 45 music videos and there were a couple people thrown in there as well I had like Mariah and Janet and yeah it was fun it was a good time how long is that 45 music videos that is a long time yeah I honestly don't know I'm honestly like also very surprised that it took me quite a while to get through Whitney's music video discography because I feel like when I think of Whitney I don't necessarily think of her as like a visual artist per se and I've seen all of Whitney's videos before people are gonna be like oh my god what kind of fan are you I've seen all of her videos before but I never did like the let me intentionally sit and watch through every single one in chronological order so that was also very time consuming but it was fun (laughs) that's awesome i need to do something like that like just pick certain artists that i love and be like all right let's watch them all let's see yeah it's like really fun to like see the uh, their evolution (laughs) in music video form Mm -hmm. so that was cool my razzy moment of the week is that so i'm one of those people that tries to like sign up for birthday discounts so to see if like ooh, can i get a discount yes so i signed up for baskin robbins birthday club Mm -hmm. one of the birthday things is like if you sign up you can get a free scoop of ice cream. That sounds great. So I signed up like two weeks ago and I was like refreshing my email all day yesterday. And I was like, where is, where's my email? So then I like looked in the app and I saw nothing. And then I Googled and it was like, oh yeah, Baskin Robbins should email you right at the beginning of the day or at some point in the day, your little birthday discount thing. And I never got the email. So now I kind of feel cheated of not having gotten a free scoop of ice cream from Baskin Robbins. That is crazy. I know. I'm a little pissed. You should tweet them. I know. I really <laughs> should. I mean, like, at this point, like, what, what was I going to do? Like, call the corporate office and be like, I didn't get my free birthday scoop. So maybe tweeting would be a better alternative. But yeah, that's my Razzie. I had to kind of reach there. Yeah. But no, I hear you. That That's pretty much it. <laughs> and now our feature presentation ever been to a cheerleading competition? We're the best. We have fun, we work hard, and we win national championships. We have a problem. About what? You ripped off those cheers. All right, so the movie that we're talking about today is Bring It On. We've had the best squad around for years, but no one's been able to see what we can do. We're in trouble. But you better believe all that's going to change this year. I swear, I had no idea. Do you think a white girl came up with those moves? This isn't about cheating. This is about winning. Can we just beat these buffies down so I can go home? We might have to have a rumble. I'll take out famous losers for $200. Shut up, moron! You want to make it right? Then when you go to nationals, bring it. That way, when we beat you, we'll know it's because we're better. I'll bring it. Don't worry. Okay, so Bring It On came out on August 25th, 2000, 
And for those of you guys who haven't seen Bring It On, it's about a champion high school cheerleading squad, the Toros, who discover that their previous captain stole all their best routines from an inner city school called the Clovers. And because of that, they realize that they need to come up with a brand new plan and they have to scramble to basically compete at their competition. So Bring It On stars our personal diva of the week, Miss Kirsten Dunst. Fun fact, me and Kirsten Dunst have the same birthday. (gasps) Oh my gosh, so that's your birthday, buddy. Yeah. The movie also stars Eliza Dushku, Jesse Bradford, and of course, iconic queen herself, Miss Gabrielle Union. The movie was directed by Peyton Reed, who, if that name sounds familiar to some of you, he actually directs a lot of the Ant-Man movies. So there's that. And this movie was written by Jessica Bedinger. And she also wrote Stick It, which is a teen comedy film set in the world of gymnastics. So a little fun fact there for those of you guys who've seen the movie. So Kristen, when was the first time you saw Bring It On? Oh, man. I definitely feel like I must have seen it around when it came out. Oh, really? I don't remember seeing it in theater, so I think it was like a sleepover movie. Ah! Which I feel like is what I say for a lot of these. Yeah. Yeah, it was like one of those like sleepover movies uh-huh. where you watch it and you're like, I wish I could do this. I wish I had these skills. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> For me, I feel like when this movie came out, I just turned seven. Yeah, I, I literally have here. I think I saw this at a friend's house for a sleepover or something. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember little you loving this movie right away? Like, what were your first impressions of the movie? I definitely remember loving it. For me, like, Eliza Dushku is my queen. Oh, okay. And so I felt like this was a time when she was, like, very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Like, she was always playing, like, the tough girl. Oh. Ah, okay. And so I remember like loving her. I remember that there were a lot of really iconic moments, which I know we will get into. I remember loving the Clovers so much. Yes. And Plaque. Whoo, man, their whole section holds up so well. So I'm I'm excited to talk about it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I hadn't seen this movie in several years, but especially now, you know, with the conversations and the cultural zeitgeist, really, this movie has aged very well. I don't know. I guess when I originally watched this movie, I was so focused on the Toros. Right. And I knew that the Clovers had good moments, but I didn't really, I guess, like understand the depth of their story. And then watching it now, I was like, wow, this movie movie is like I don't know I guess like progressive for its time maybe yeah like it was like considerably woke for a 2000 movie (laughs) yeah yeah so I was I was very much impressed by that and in fact I think a lot of my moments that I really enjoyed were like around the clovers and Eliza Dushku because I love her (laughs) yeah you're like yes queen Mm -hmm. in terms of my first impressions like Kristen I remember loving it being really obsessed I think like in general in my life but especially when I was younger I was always really into any like movie or show that had to do with performing so if there was like dance or like cheerleading or singing like I was always really really into watching those kinds of stories me too and I was also a dancer growing up so um that's why I also really loved Disney's Gotta Kick It Up yes 
It means yes, we can. Yes! <laughs> I love that one. Gotta kick it up if you guys don't remember. That was a Disney Channel original movie, and it focused on a dance team, not a cheer team. But it kind of, like, you know, has that similar vibe. But re-watching this movie now, too, like, aside from being like, wow, it held up really, really well, is I genuinely feel like out of all the back-to-school divas that we've covered, this movie is probably the one that is, like, most reflective of my high school experience because I was on varsity dance team in high school wow different from cheer cheer is different from dance i've seen some of your dance videos you're amazing oh thanks Kristen. yeah yeah i mean like there's definitely some similarities in the high school cheer experience that i i saw that was reflective of my own like even though i was on varsity dance team we had to cheer at football games too wow. and i was kind of like the eliza dushku character <laughs> where she's like oh i don't want to cheer like that was definitely me at football games i remember like i wouldn't say the cheer like i would mouth the cheer but nothing would be coming out of my mouth like that was kind of like my <laughs> form of silent protest <laughs> and then like my high school dance team too like not to toot our own horns but we were also undefeated champions so like the intensity that they kind of depicted in the movie I was like oh my god I know that life wow. and then like we went to Florida too and our competitions were aired on ESPN and so for cheerleading like that is a real competition it's UCA but with dance it's UDA wow. so I was like oh my god like I know this so much so that last night I <laughs> I don't know if like you've seen my Instagram story yet Kristen but literally last night I found this old DVD of cheers that I had to learn when I made the team like going into my freshman year they give everyone this dvd of cheers oh my gosh to like watch before you go to summer camp so i found that dvd and i like started watching back the old cheers that i had to learn for football and there's some cheers that they do and bring it on that we did on the field that i like completely forgot really yeah it's like one of the cheers that's like knock them down roll them around come on defense work like we yeah, had to do that yeah. on the field and it was like same motions same everything so it's like oh, i wonder if like we got that from bring it on that's so funny i did a little bit of cheerleading in like my community probably for like a year maybe and I don't really remember a lot of it, so maybe I blocked it out. <laughs> yeah! But I remember there was, like, one year that I did it, like, it wasn't even at school. It was, like, the local community or something. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened to it, but I know I had a jacket, and I think it's somewhere in my house still, so. Oh, my gosh, you need to dig her up, girl. Yeah. Like, cheerleading or, or that type of thing definitely feels like a classic young people experience, sort of. Let's get into scenes, then. Yes. Okay, so my... First scene that I want to talk about is the opening montage cheer extravaganza. <laughs> this is literally how the movie opens. So basically, right at the top, we see the cheerleaders, the Toros, performing at a pep rally. I'm sexy. I'm cute. I'm popular to boot. I'm bitchin'.
towards the end of the cheer, Torrance finds out she's captain, but then like she bends down and she comes back up and she's supposedly naked. And that's when we realize that this entire cheer opening sequence was a dream sequence. So my thoughts on this scene is I just thought this was a really fun way to open the movie. It introduced the team, like each kind of character that we're going to see in the movie with a roll call, which is very true to theme. So I was like, oh, that's smart. And it immediately thrust us into this like high octane world of high school cheerleading. And I feel like there's a lot of iconic lines that come from this opening sequence as well. Like, yeah, I'm Big Red. We used to like quote Big Red all the time when I was on dance team and our previous captain the year before I got on the team my freshman year, like she was kind of she wasn't like stealing cheers or routines from other people, but she kind of had like a very dominating personality so she's kind of like a big red <laughs> that's so funny what are your thoughts on the opening sequence well that that's funny what you said about how you guys would quote this sequence uh, on your team because i feel like i remember people quoting this just like at school yeah when you're like at recess or whatever pretending that you're on the team and then like people would quote this whole sequence and like do the cheer <laughs> yeah and kind of sets up a little bit of typical high school situation because like that's like a classic thing to have a dream that you're at school and you're naked or or something embarrassing happens and you're like oh my gosh yeah no in front of the whole school Uh those dreams like oh i missed a class or whatever right so i just thought it was funny to see that this whole thing was like a dream sequence from kirsten dunn's character's perspective Mm -hmm. i guess if you were to like sort of try to dig deeper into it it's sort of showing like she is gonna get this role as the team captain but sort of mistakes are gonna come up or embarrassing moments will come up which i think we see happen oh yeah sort of like foreshadows a little bit what's gonna happen in the movie not that anybody is naked but just that she's gonna have some mess ups and things yeah that she has to like work through yeah like now that you're saying that it kind of like foreshadowing that she's gonna be exposed in some way yes that's a great great wording because i think that happens mm-hmm. a lot in this <laughs> film where yeah. they just like find out things about the cheers being stolen or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Other cheers being stolen or, you know, there's a lot right. of cheers being stolen, basically. When she learns that initial fact that their cheers and routines were stolen from the Clovers, she kind of learns that in private. But it's also there's two distinct moments where there's kind of like a public embarrassment of some sorts. Yeah. So that's like also kind of exposing a bit. So my first scene is when we are doing cheerleading tryouts. Mm -hmm. Basically, one of the girls on the team gets injured, so they need to find a replacement for (laughs) her. Carver, are you okay? I'm fine, really. Don't you guys worry about me. It's just a scratch. I'll be back to practice tomorrow, so don't you guys fret, okay? And I love, like, a classic montage of just seeing, like, weird auditions. You know, like you, I grew up performing and stuff, and I did a lot of musical theater, so whenever I watch these funny, like, auditions and things like High School Musical or in this, where you're watching them all audition, and there's, like, some really bad performances (laughs) and some decent performances, and, and then there's always that one person that shines. Like, I always think that that's really fun to watch yeah ready okay sorry ready okay (laughs) these ones are really funny you're seeing all the different personalities of different people that are applying to be a cheerleader be aggressive be be aggressive how many cheers do we actually have to memorize do we get paid for this (sighs) oh and do i have to provide my own uniform ready okay r c h I just broke up with my boyfriend. And then 
we see Eliza Dushku's character come in, Missy. Queen. Yes. Missy, is it? Okay, before we start, I'm afraid we're going to need to make sure you can do a standing back tuck. Standard procedure. You understand. Standing back handspring back tuck, okay? You know, something I didn't even realize, at least when I was younger, was that she was a gymnast, and that's why she wanted to audition for the team, because they didn't have a gymnastics team. I never really, like... Oh, right. I don't know. I didn't really think about it. Where's this girl from? Romania? You know, when she comes in, she looks a little bit more rebellious than these preppy girls are used to, Mm -hmm. with her fake tattoo and her outfit and everything. And what I think is cool about this is, like, Torrance is someone who is very open to, like, doing what's best for the team. Right. But then some of the other girls are a little bit more catty so like Mm -hmm. you know we see two of the girls try to like sort of intimidate missy and she's like uh no like i know i'm talented yeah i'm not gonna be intimidated but you know she brought out all these flips and tricks and really showed them up to the point where like doesn't matter if you like her or not this girl's really good and like she needs to be on the team because she's that good mm-hmm. and you know like i said i love eliza dushku i love that she always plays kind of like a badass she's always like this tough girl uh-huh. with a heart of gold and it was really good casting yeah and i think she's played a lot of roles like that like i just think that she's really good at that and especially during this time mm-hmm. in her career i feel like she was playing a lot of roles like that and i just mm. think she's great it's so badass because like she earns her way on the team because of her skill level which was really cool like Kristen was saying too there's like different people that you see try out and there's one particular girl who is the younger sister of one of the girls that's already on the squad yeah her audition was like kind of funny to me too first of all she like looks like a baby compared to all of them so it's like (laughs) how is she in high school like she looks like in middle school or something maybe their school is like seventh grade to to senior year or something because she looks so little i'm like how can she be on this team i love when they're showing her sister trying to coach her way through Mm -hmm. the cheer i mean like technically what she did was all like correct it was it was fine it just was like no energy but rancho carne is not all talk all we know is torah's rock shake your booty scream and shout toro players work it out That kind of aspect reminded me of when I was auditioning for my freshman year because there were a lot of seniors who had graduated, but their younger sisters were now auditioning the same grade I was. So like that little aspect that bring it on like kind of portrayed was like, oh, that happens. Tell me we're not actually continuing this masquerade and having tryouts. Let's cut the crap and pick somebody now. Whitney's little sister, Jamie, is really teeny. She'll be easy to toss and she doesn't give lip. I also love too when Eliza Dushku like has her line when she's like, I transferred from Los Angeles. Your school has no gymnastics team. This is a last resort. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, it's a great introduction to a character because you really like immediately get a sense of who she is. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your next scene? My next scene is when Missy reveals to Torrance that the cheers that they've been doing have been stolen from another team, the Compton Clovers. What the hell is up? I went out on a limb for you and you just failed? I'm not about stealing. What are you talking about? You ripped off those cheers. Listen, Missy, our cheers are 100% original. Count the trophies. Well, your trophies are bullshit because you're a sad-ass liar. All right, that's it. Get out of the car. I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, really? Come on. 
Run for a rude awakening. All right. Yes. <laughs> Here we are, the meat of the story. This was crazy because I think that it really shows just how for a really long time wealthier potentially white people have been taking the culture from underrepresented groups Mm -hmm. and using it to basically get themselves ahead right and also sort of like the ignorance of it i would say because Mm -hmm. you know torrance didn't know that these cheers were stolen but when she finds out obviously she's like very upset about it yeah and just to see that like They've been taking these cheers from another team and like basically taking away their opportunities to get ahead in the cheer world. Guys, like every time we get some, here y'all come trying to steal it, putting some blonde hair on it and calling it something different. We've had the best squad around for years, but no one's been able to see what we can do. Oh, but you better believe all that's going to change this year. I'm captain. And I guarantee you we will make it to nationals. And then also seeing the reactions of some of the other members of their team. Like, Torrance is very much like, I feel awful. It's depraved. I mean, those East Compton girls wanted to grill our asses. Big Red ran the show, man. I mean, we were just flying ignorami, sobbing out loud. We can't go to regionals with a stolen routine. And then some of the other team members are like, How are East Compton going to prove anything? You people are unbelievable. I mean, we're talking about cheating here. Sorry, new girl, but nobody hit your buzzer. Look, I hate to be predictable, but I don't give a shit. We learned that routine fair and square. We logged the man hours. Don't punish the squad for Big Red's mistake. This isn't about cheating. This is about winning. So it was interesting to see their like perspective on some of that ignorance that was coming out, thinking that it was okay to take the cheers. And I think there's a line when the Clovers confronted Torrance and Missy and they were basically like, Burr, it's cold in here. I said there must be some Toros in the atmosphere. I know you didn't think a white girl made that shit up. It was eye-opening to see them addressing that in this film, the fact that like people steal black culture yeah. a lot mm-hmm. and use it for their own gain what we're basically trying to get at is there is a major storyline plot regarding cultural appropriation they never actually say the words cultural appropriation and bring it on i feel like i mean then again we were very young when this movie came out but i don't think the words cultural appropriation kind of had the same awareness and attention that they do now in 2020 yeah i don't think so i don't even know if it was something that was really discussed or at least not on the definitely not on the level it is now yeah, it's just, it's very interesting and it's really cool to see that a 2000 movie, it's been, now it's 20 years since this movie came out, kind of tackled that subject matter in that way. I remember when I watched this being like, oh man, that was wrong. But for me, the thing was like, Torrance, she's a person of integrity. Like it was more of a story about integrity, which it is, but it's also a story about cultural appropriation too. Yeah. Because I... I didn't have that kind of language when I was seven watching this movie. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I really noticed watching it again now is that like I didn't really notice those certain things, I guess, because we're so accustomed to following certain stories. The story that I felt like I got out of this when I was young was like, she has integrity. She's doing the right thing and not really noticing until I rewatched it now as an adult. Like, oh, wow, wait, there's this whole story with the Clovers. I always thought the Clovers were really cool, but I didn't really like understand then what they were dealing with Mm -hmm. 
yeah really eye-opening to watch these movies now when you like really have like a more developed brain i guess and like understand (laughs) like certain things that are happening and that it doesn't just go over your head Mm -hmm. you know like some of those things i think went over my head when i was young that idea too of white people or mainstream culture specifically benefiting off of black people's creativity especially their creativity because i mean these are cheers and routines that they're stealing like that's something that we still see today kim kardashian is slammed for cultural appropriation at the MTV Movie and TV Awards. The reality queen showed up to the awards show wearing her hair in long braids, which some fans immediately took to Twitter to call out as cultural appropriation. And this isn't the first time Kim has done the braids look. Back in January, she posted a video of herself wearing platinum blonde braids accessorized with beads at the end, and she told fans in the video, quote, so you guys, I did Bo Derek braids and I'm really into it. Bo Derek was a white actress who famously appropriated the braids in the 70s, but she obviously didn't invent the style, and fans pointed out that she should not be credited with the style by Kim or anyone else. Continuing off where Kristen left off with her scene, so my second scene is when the Toros are cheerleading at their football game, and they get a little visit from the East Compton Clovers. At this point, Torrance told her teammates, like, you know, this is what happened, like, Big Red basically screwed us over, and some of her teammates at that point were like, no, we're not going to change it. Like, these are our routines. So they don't change it for the game. And as the Toros are about to do their cheer at the stadium, four of the girls from the Clovers arrive and they walk to the very edge of the fence and you see the Toros start to do their cheer. But then the Clovers also start to do the same cheer. All right, we're sweet. We got the whip, we can't be beat. We're the best, our team's too cool. We got the class to rock this school. Aw, yeah! We bad, we got the team we can't be had. We're the best, so score them points. You win the game, we'll rock this joint. Go Taurus, go Taurus, go, go, go Taurus, go Taurus, go Taurus, go, go, go Taurus. Our game is fierce and we are hip, so get on back. You can't touch this. Our game is bad, we're without peers, so get that weak man out of here. Try to steal our bit, but you look like Kind of like what we've been saying earlier, again, cultural appropriation is a huge major thread that we see throughout the movie. And I kind of wanted to touch on what you were saying earlier about how the different team members responded and reacted to the news when they found out what was going on. Mm -hmm. Torrance, like we already established, like she was like, oh God, this is bad. We need to do something. But I think it's so interesting still, like even after this incident, there's that one blonde girl that's like, No, we're not going to change it. I still say we use the routine we have. We have to start over. I quit. That idea kind of plays into Torrance's character arc because, yes, one of her character arcs is like, oh, she needs to, like, find belief in herself and her confidence to lead the team. But also tied into that leadership is, like, her confidence in herself to do the right thing Mm -hmm. when it's hard and when it's not easy to do the right thing. And to take it, like, even a step further, Kirsten Dunst's character arc is really about this white person trying to 
navigate her complicity in this cultural appropriation narrative. Yeah, definitely. Because she has like a lot of guilt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think like throughout we kind of see her try to figure out how can I make this better? And there's one particular choice that she makes that the movie could potentially veer into a white savior plot trope, but it actually doesn't. Yeah, that that's my uh, last scene actually. Oh my god, that's your next scene? Yes. Oh, perfect. That's my last scene too. Okay, so we're here. Let's do this together. So why don't you set it up? So the competition is in full force. We're getting ready now and raising money to go to like the, the main competition. The Clovers have gotten in, the Toros have gotten in, but the Clovers don't have enough money to actually go to nationals. They can't afford it. UCA just posted the nationals list on the internet. East Compton isn't on it. They couldn't raise the money in time. They're not going. What do you mean they're not going? Torrance, that's good news. They cannot not go. That's not good news. What are you talking about? They don't go. We win. Once again, we're the best. I define best as competing against the best there is out there and beating them. They have to go. We get to see them. They're writing a letter to a talk show host trying to see if she'll help them make their wish come true to be able to go to the competition. Where we come from, cheer is not a word we hear very often. They should call us inspiration leaders instead. Oh, that's deep. I like that. I don't know why we write into some talk shows. It's like we're begging for charity or something. It's not charity. Paulette Patton's from our neighborhood. She'll understand why we need the money. At the same time, mm -hmm. Torrance has learned that they're not going to be able to go unless they can raise the money. And she, like, begs her dad, we can only be the best if we go up against this team that's the best. It's so unfair. The first inner city squad ever to get a bit to nationals and they can't afford to go? Look, Mom, head is spinning off into another dimension. Justin. The company gets hit up for money all the time, honey. I just can't. It's not that much money, Mr. Level Playing Field. Tell them the deal. Maybe they'll want to help. Yeah. Okay, I'll make the call, but I'll tell you, they'll probably say no. Don't let them. Think of how much it'll mean to East Compton. They deserve to go. Do the right thing, Dad. So she convinces her dad's job to sponsor the Clovers and write a check for them, basically. Yeah. And she comes to their school and she goes to give them the money. You guys have to go to nationals. Did you come up here just to tell me that? Here, I got my dad's company to sponsor you guys. <laughs> what is this, hush money? No. Oh, right, it's guilt money. You pay our way in and you sleep better at night knowing how your whole world is based on one big old fat lie. Well, you know what? We don't need you. Why do you have to be so mean? I'm just trying to do the right thing here. They don't take the money from her and they say they want to do this on their own, mm -hmm. which I thought was really awesome because like you were saying, they, they don't go down that like white savior path of like, oh, well, here's this little white girl with her daddy's money that's going to save this black and Latina team. Yeah. They're like, no, we want to do this on our own. We deserve to do this on our own. And none of their accomplishments or what they've achieved can get misconstrued as coming from torrents or the wealthy people absolutely of their town yeah they're doing it on their own and then what i thought was cool was then we get to see that the black talk show host paletta does come through for them and gets them to the competition which i thought was also cool because they while they did need some help they were able to get it from another powerful black woman who mm. has her own platform and i thought that was really awesome well clovers you got your wish audience the East Compton Clover. Hi, Pauletta. We just want to say how thankful we are for all of your help. Pauletta, you my girl. You the bomb, baby. 
as much as we're seeing this kind of like white guilt that Torrance is dealing with and that yeah. she wants to help this team, I think because of that, but also because she wants to go up against the best, I was really glad that the Clovers didn't take her money and that the movie didn't go down that white savior path. They were able to do it on their own and strong black woman was able to help them achieve their goal. And then... They rocked it. Absolutely. A thousand percent agree. Like pretty much everything you said is what I have here in my notes as well. I feel like in that moment too, it's like Isis actually teaches Torrance what it means to be a good leader. Unlike Big Red, mm -hmm. who is like someone from her own team. Look, I'm trying to be strong for my squad, okay? That's what a captain does. Well, I'm a captain too, you know, and I'm trying to make it right. You want to make it right? Then when you go to nationals, bring it. Don't slack off because you feel sorry for us. That way, when we beat you, we'll know it's because we're better. I'll bring it. Don't worry. I never do. Torrance's character learned how to be a good leader just from that exchange with Isis. And in that sense, like the movie upholds the dignity of Isis and the Clovers because it gives them agency over their story. Mm -hmm. And additionally, too, the Clovers actually do have their own story arc within the larger movie of Bring It On. And in that way, they're not being used to prop up the white person's narrative, which I feel like we see in a lot of movies movies starring white and black people or just like white and people of color in general it's like oh the people of color's narratives are going to be used to help push the white narrative forward or they're just like a plot device or they're propping the white people up but it's like no 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 no. the clovers isis like they could stand on their own too so it's just like wow that was so that was so cool. And I, I definitely did not realize the importance of this scene when I was younger. And I feel like now being a lot older, like I would say this is probably like one of the most important scenes of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, I would even maybe go so far as to say is one of like the most important scenes that like black actors have done in a teen movie. Like I feel like this is like pretty groundbreaking, especially in like oh, yeah. the media that we're still seeing today where it's like, yeah, the black people or people of color who are getting nominated for awards and stuff are still playing like roles that are, you know, the maid or the slave, like in 12 Years of Slave and stuff like that. And it's like, look at this 2000s scene of these young black cheerleaders taking control of their own agency and and not going down that path of like having to deal with like a white savior type of situation like i don't know i feel like we don't really see a lot of that even now and you know what's so great too it's like i think what bring it on does really well is they're able to present that serious issue but it's like not hitting you over the head in a way that i feel like a lot of especially like teen shows and teen movies nowadays are that idea of like cultural appropriation and like what does it do to a predominantly black brown community and then like also what is the white person's role in the cultural appropriation narrative like it portrays it in a way that's like very naturally integrated to the overall story and even though bring it on is like a really really fun movie it doesn't get lost in like the cheer of it all which i was like dang like this movie is just like it's a really smart progressive movie for its time yeah and i feel like when i was looking up just like what did people think about this it was getting a lot of like well this is like a fluffy like typical teen movie and i'm like really because i don't think so i think that this yeah actually says a lot of smart things mm -hmm. i think it treats all of its characters 
as like it allows them to like make mistakes but not be villains you know it allows them to like speak about certain topics and give like a voice to these young people if this came out nowadays like i feel like a large group of people would immediately kind of think Torrance is the spawn of Satan. They'd probably call her like a Karen or something. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like that journey, that realization that she learns like, oh my gosh, my previous captain culturally appropriated from this team. Like now what am I going to do about it? And she kind of like stumbles a little bit, Mm -hmm. but she eventually gets there. That's like part of her, her art. I think you need to have like the right actress playing that kind of role, you know, and I think Kirsten Dunst was very likable in this. Yeah. But when you like really think about it, I had this like epiphany as i was like making lunch today Mm -hmm. so basically this film is about a group of rich kids trying to sort of get the easy way out stealing routine from another teams using a choreographer who's you know selling off all of these routines to other teams as well yeah and then in the end they still have to end up doing the hard work anyway so it's like maybe if they had just done the hard work to begin with then they wouldn't have had to do all these like mess ups like these embarrassing moments that happen for them they wouldn't have had to do that because they would have just from the beginning done the work totally when they found out that first of all the routines were stolen and also you know just like whatever big red was doing like she was kind of like using the easy way out and it's just like when someone came in that actually had like a little bit of a moral compass it was like actually this is wrong Mm -hmm. but then they still tried to get the easy way out again and i think maybe that also came down to torrance listening to other people instead of herself Mm. the only reason that they even used that crazy choreographer guy was because her lame boyfriend was like yeah you should do this and she was kind of just like listening to other people before she uh finally figured out like what she should be doing as leader and like finally step up yeah and that kind of like we were saying like at the very beginning like that plays into one of her major character arcs of learning to trust herself and trust her own voice Mm -hmm. because i like that conversation too that she has with her love interest in the movie i think his name is cliff yeah he kind of like tries to give her a pep talk of like you need to believe in yourself i've just gotten so bogged down in all this crap well if it's crap why do you do it i don't know so quit maybe i should yeah i mean if you don't like it anymore i didn't say that Sounds like it. I don't know what I want. I remember back when I cheered at my school in Detroit. You cheered at your other high school. No, I never cheered. But I know what you're going through. And regardless of all the uh, the politics and the doubts and the crap, you just have to know that you can do it. And if it helps, I know you can. You do? Yeah. I mean, that's like an empowering thing to find someone that actually believes in you, you know, instead of going for this guy who's kind of like Mm -hmm. telling her what to do and doesn't think she can do, you know, like having that confidence to be like, yeah, I like this person and yeah, they support me. Yeah. You didn't believe in me. You did. Whatever. The friendship between Torrance and Missy, these two girls who seem very different Mm. and then end up forming like a a bond. Like in another movie, maybe this Missy would have been still considered an outsider, even though she'd been part of the team. Like the mean girls would have ganged up on her. And in this, she became part of the crew and like she and Torrance became like best friends. And I I really like those stories that they showed. Thank God you're here this season, Missy. I couldn't have done it alone. Oh, dear. Oh, no, I mean it. (laughs) 
Well, Kristen, before we move on, give me like one of your like favorite lines. One of my favorite lines is when they say, Courtney, this is not a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. Yeah. Perfect. I had that one. Classic. I remember being in Girl Scouts and like the spirit stick was something people would like joke about, like when we went on camping trips and stuff. They'd be like, oh my god, the spirit oh, stick. Right. Like, so there was things like that quote. There's this thing called a spirit stick and it can never ever touch the ground. And I was like, oh, that's so funny, like that these things still stick with you. Yeah. And when she's like, or you'll go to Hades. <laughs> it's okay. The spirit stick doesn't lose anything. The person who drops it, however, goes to Hades. I mean, like, spirit fingers is another oh, yeah, one of those fingers. iconic moments. Mm -hmm. These are not spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. Okay, so, like, Torrance's boyfriend in this movie is, like, a total dick, but I always thought he was, like, really funny. Like, he is a dick, but he's, like, really funny, too. And me and my best friend on dance team, we used to literally quote all his lines in the movie, like, all the time. Like, when he says something like, But next year, it'll be you and me reunited at Cal State Dominguez Hills. I'll be the experienced sophomore, you'll be the hot new freshman. Yep, it'll be just like high school, only better dorm rooms me and my friend literally used to quote that all <laughs> the time i was like oh my god he's such a dick and then at one point too when he drives her to school and she's trying to get out and he's like i got the door tor i got the door yeah. tor. It's like, oh my god <laughs> yeah oh god. he's so stupid but it's so funny i got the door tor. Okay. i got the door tor. <laughs> oh man Classic. Classic, classic. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about Bring It On before we move on? Um, I don't think so. If you guys have never seen Bring It On, I'd be really surprised if you haven't. But even though it's like a teen comedy, the story itself is like actually really, really good. So 10 out of 10 would recommend it aged very well. Popcorn and pop stars. This is a segment where we talk about where the diva was at this point in her career when she made the movie and potentially why she did the movie. So our diva this week is Miss Kirsten Dunst, really one of like the it girls from the 90s, I feel like, and the in the 2000s. Where was Kirsten Dunst at when she was about to do Bring It On? She was kind of like fresh off of a lot of sort of big roles, I feel like. Yeah. She got a lot of recognition for Interview with a Vampire. I had a mother once, and Louis, he had a wife. He was mortal, the same as she, and so was I. Claudia. You made us what we are, didn't you? Stop her, Louis. Did you do it to me? <laughs> she was in Little Women. Hey, Chester said my lines must have been donated to Hope House. And then I said that she wouldn't get a single line from me. And then she told Mr. Davis they were hidden in my desk. And then he struck me. And then she did a lot of, like, really classic fantasy stuff. Jumanji, Small Soldiers. Mm -hmm. Are you Alan Parrish? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Everyone thought you were dead. No. Never shaved before. 
They must roll the dice. You're playing the game I started in 1969. I'm gonna have to play. I definitely think you're right. Yeah, like she was definitely like an it girl. Like she was in so many things. I feel like when we were like growing up. Yeah. Yeah, and then now with Bring It On, I feel like that was maybe more of when she was sort of getting into commercial. Yeah. Stuff. Mm -hmm. But um. Yeah, I'm not really sure, like, I guess why she did this movie, but maybe it's something a little bit different than, you know, I feel like she did a lot of, like, some darker stuff before. Yeah, that's a really good point. What do you think? Kirsten Dunst, if you look at her IMDb page, specifically leading up to Bring It On, like, in the 90s, she was literally, like, Kirsten Dunst was booked and busy, girls. She normally, like, on average had three to four projects at least per year in the 90s. You know, sometimes they were lead roles, sometimes they were small roles, but she was, like, consistently working so kind of to narrow it down I looked at what she was doing like right before so like in 1999 so I guess she started in this like I think it's like a tv movie called the devil's arithmetic hey you're drinking too much mom give me a break I'm trying to be religious I started like this holiday which I've never seen before. But then she was also in The Virgin Suicides which was directed by Sofia Coppola. Where are your parents? Asleep. What about your sisters? They're coming. And that relationship, I feel like that she forms with Sofia Coppola through the Virgin Suicides, like that propels a lot of her future work forward. Because then she does Marie Antoinette, which is directed by Sofia Coppola. And when they went to the queen to tell her her subjects had no bread, do you know what she said? Let them eat cake. That's such nonsense. I would never say that. I completely forgot about this, but like she even makes a cameo appearance in The Bling Ring, mm. which is also directed by Sofia Coppola. So you're like, oh, okay, there's that. And then she was also in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Have you seen Drop Dead that Gorgeous? Was so good. Oh, yes. Yeah. So if you guys have never seen it, it's basically like a satire spoof on like small town beauty pageant world. I believe this pageant teaches you what's really important in life. I dream of getting out of Mount Rolls. I mean, guys get out of Mount Rolls all the time. For Hockey scholarships or prison. So she does that. And then she also does the movie Dick with Michelle Williams. That kind of has sort of like a similar, I feel like, tone to Drop Dead Gorgeous in that it's like satire on what really happened regarding President Nixon and Watergate. Okay. And they thought they could trust him. Who the hell are you? Oh, why were they shredding all that paper? Paper mache is a hobby of mine. But that was before they learned the truth. We heard that tape. What'd you hear? You kick checkers. You're a bad man. We've got problems. So... I feel like judging, like, based on those specific roles, I felt like Kirsten Dunst was being very selective with which roles she was going to say yes to. Specifically thinking about Drop Dead Gorgeous and Dick, they're satires, they're spoofs, but they're like peek into a world or an event that like you think you know, but here's a twist on it. In that sense, I feel like Bring It On is similar to a certain extent. Like it doesn't have the same tone. Like I think Bring It On's tone is more like mainstream humor. But all three of those movies, they kind of have like a bite to them and would bring it on specifically. It's kind of like a peek into this cheerleading world that everyone kind of has like their preconceived notions and negative stereotypes about. But obviously bring it on. It's like, OK, we're going to like kind of twist it and we're going to actually present like a serious relevant issue amongst like the fun. You know, they were actually like pretty cool roles for like a young up and coming actress to be a part of. I'm not quite sure if that was like her thought process, but I would like to believe it was. They're like smart choices. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, like, looking back at her career, she's done so many iconic projects. Jumanji, Mm -hmm. Kiki's Delivery Service, Bring It On, the Spider-Man movies. You know, I think she's definitely thinking about, like, what things to do and... right you know, trying to make smart decisions about it. Right, because I, I also feel like, too, like, just thinking about Dick and Drop Dead Gorgeous, I'm pretty sure, like, those are independent movies, right? I think so. I feel like not too many people know about them. And I think they probably thought, like, to a certain extent, like, bring it on, even though it was being distributed by Universals. From the interviews that I watched, like, so many people didn't think this movie was going to do anything. So she probably thought, like, oh, this is kind of, like, a cool small movie to be a part of, too. Like, no one's really going to pay attention to it. Because when you think about it in, like, that context, bring it on is kind of also, like, her breakthrough into, like, mainstream attention. Like, yes, she was in Jumanji, but she was, like, a kid. Mm -hmm. Like, now she's, like, a young woman. And it's interesting when you think about how this comes like right really before she starts doing the spider-man franchise that was like a big big movie back in the day yeah definitely also fun fact when i was doing a random music video marathon had no idea she was in savage gardens i knew i loved you music video So when I saw it on her IMDb credit, I was like, oh my gosh, I know that. I like found that out on my own. Who is it? Mrs. Potts, dear. I thought you might like a spot of tea. All right, so let's move on to Spill the Technicolor Tea. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. So this is a segment where we talk about any potential like controversy or gossip, whatnot regarding the movie. So... What tea were you able to find? Or like, you know what? This could also be like fun facts. That's what this usually ends up being because sometimes, you know, the movies, they're not so drama filled. Like, was there any tea that you were able to find? I think a lot of my stuff maybe was more like casting stuff, which, right, that's another category. I could go into mine. Yeah, you go into yours. Okay, so fun fact, (laughs) Bo, Kirsten Dunst, and Gabrielle Union were cheerleaders. Wow, so they were like bring in their real life experience yeah and that's kind of cool to see too because they're like they were both the captains of the team so like that's nice to see the leads have some sort of skill set behind them in that way and then i thought this was interesting so during the 15th year anniversary for bring it on kirsten dunce eliza dushku jesse bradford and gabrielle union did an interview with the today show and if you guys haven't seen it they literally like look exactly the same wow like all of them aged beautifully like (laughs) if at all so um gabrielle union though in that interview revealed that some of the dialogue for the clovers characters was a little off some of the clover dialogue was um black exploitationist which we changed um there was a line where i think i said oh say what a what (laughs) you said i would never say say what a what uh, and nor do I know anyone who would. They're larger themes, but we did it in such a fun, campy way that, you know, kind of slid in the message. Well, I'm glad she stepped up and did something because I think maybe if she hadn't, we wouldn't have resonated so much with the whole Clover storyline if it felt like weird and not authentic to their experiences. Right, exactly. And that also kind of plays into the idea of like why it's important, especially if you're going to have stories about people of color, like why it's important for you to have a writer's room that also reflects the diversity you're trying to go for on screen, because then we can tell when it's like written by a white person. Mm -hmm. So good on Gabrielle Union for that. Speaking of Gabrielle Union, she was significantly older than the rest of the cast when filming Bring It On. She was 27. Wow. And for comparison, Kirsten Dunst was 
was 18. <laughs> I mean, what I remember from the movie, it was like smelling of Bengay and like being so much older than all the other girls. And I'm like at the bar with their parents, like, ah, I gotta go back to cheer practice. <laughs> like, you know, just like my back and knees are like taped. Like I, it was, it did not look like that cute, you know, young, oh my God. old teenager person. Well, it just shows that Gabrielle Union still looks amazing then, now, forever. I know. Like, if you look at Gabrielle Union now, it looks like she filmed Bring It On like two weeks ago. <laughs> also, from this interview, learned that apparently some of the actors got arrested in Mexico while filming. Why? What? I guess this movie, for geography context, it was filmed in San Diego, California. And I guess Jesse Bradford, Eliza Dushku, Rini Bell, who plays Casey and another male cheerleader, they got arrested in Rosarito. None of them in the interview really say what exactly happened. But point blank, they got arrested and they had to stand in front of a judge and explain whatever it was happened. But luckily, they were able to bail themselves out before producers found out what happened. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. What did happen in Mexico? We drove down to Rosarito. We got arrested. We got out. On what else own. is there to yeah, say, right? Yeah. No producer bailed us yeah, out. We bailed ourselves out. That's right. Because we're yeah. professionals. We handled it. Kind of like what I was saying earlier, no one really thought that the movie was going to do much. Were you surprised that that movie became such a huge hit? Yes, because we were just a couple of, like, young people in San Diego making a universal movie that nobody cared about. Like, none of us knew that it would become a hit. Like, yeah. the opening weekend, we were all... Surprise! I think I cried. I was like, oh my God. I think it's the first movie that I was ever in that I was like the lead of. Yeah. It was ever number one or anything without, you know, a huge push or whatever. It was just people wanted to see it. It was refreshing. It was like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it was incredible. Still... It worked. Which I kind of want to take a moment to talk about this because I feel like looking back quite literally on all of the past Back to School Diva movies that we've done so far, it has the same narrative of, oh, just another teen movie. We don't really think it's going to do much. But then it becomes a huge hit because people underestimated it. So I kind of want to know like your opinion as to why do you think these kinds of films get underestimated by the studio execs? Well, I think these kinds of films get underestimated by studio execs because they think that nobody wants to watch movies about girls or young women or people of color mm -hmm. and they're wrong. They think that, oh, well, you know, it's just another teen movie. Mm -hmm. I think they don't take that seriously, which is disappointing because clearly like there are so many great opportunities to take these young actors and actresses and these stories from different people and create not only like a great project, but create like superstars like yeah. Kirsten Dunst, Eliza Dushku, Gabrielle Union, Jesse Bradford, like all these people like went on to do such great things after this movie. And clearly the relatability of the cheerleading aspect connects with so many people that like they've made five spinoffs <laughs> of Bring It On. And it makes me think back to um, 10 Things I Hate About You, another movie that you know, it was a young teen movie that originally the director was like, oh, well, I don't want to do like a classic teen movie. Like basically feeling that there are certain projects that are not as highbrow or not as yeah. worthy. And it's like just because you're not a teen girl doesn't mean that the story is not worthwhile. Right. And look at that movie that brought huge fame for people like Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. Just because you might not, you know, just because someone else might not be interested in that doesn't mean that there's not 
hundreds and thousands of other people who are interested in it and who want to see relatable stories and you know as we saw with this one it really holds up when it comes to the story of race and yeah. I think people need to like get on the train already like get on board with the fact that these kinds of movies can do well and that people want to see them mm-hmm. you know absolutely agree I think a lot of people really do underestimate the impact of these movies and I mean the fact that still like these movies are being talked about to this day we are the generation of young girls specifically that watch these movies and we carried these stories with us into our adulthood years and now we have like such a new appreciation for them like in a way that we just like did not have the range to when we were kids and I genuinely do feel so lucky that these were the kinds of movies that were popping when I was a kid. Because I, I don't feel like we get these kinds of movies anymore. We don't. And it's like really sad because like people just don't take teen movies or romantic comedies seriously. But like during the 2000s, mm-hmm. these were huge. Yeah. And we're still seeing like people, like you said, talking about these movies now. Like look at Ariana Grande's Thank You Next. Which oh, is yeah. Huge in 2018 referencing Mean Girls, Bring It On, 13 Going On 30, Legally Blonde. And, like, Mm -hmm. clearly these movies have an impact on people. And look at Ariana Grande sharing the wealth in 2018 so people can become more aware of those films as well because she loved them. Right. When Kristen Dunst is asked, would she be down to do another Bring It On movie? She's always open to it. (laughs) So If they wanted to make another movie, I would make another movie. Oh, my God. It's so great. It's so fun. It was so good. It'd be so fun. We made that movie for no money, zero money. It was a universal movie, but like one of those, they were just like, go do what you want, like this little whatever cheerleading movie. Oh my and God. then like opening week, and we were all so surprised. It was a huge, oh yeah. My God, it was That's so always great. the best when you like don't expect anything and then it became so huge you never know maybe we could add to the many many spin-offs of bring it on and actually bring kirsten dunst and the gang the og gang back yeah that would be wild it's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while okay well let's move on to tinseltown showdown then segment where we talk about any potential people who may have been up for the role at one point or another so who do you have so i have that someone named terry khan was called back three times for the role of torrance before kirsten dunce got the part and also marley shelton was originally cast as Torrance, but then she decided to do a different cheerleading movie called Sugar and Spice, which didn't really do that well, I believe. And Gabrielle Union had also auditioned for Sugar and Spice, but she didn't get into that one. Oh, look at that. Which I think really worked out for her. She got into the better movie. Whoa, Gabrielle Union. Look at that. When God clears away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you able to find anything else? Because that's literally all I was able to oh, find. Oh, yeah, that, that's really it. This is just like an interesting casting thing that I thought. Mm-hmm. The girl who plays Aaron's like college hookup was actually a real life Lakers cheerleader. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because she's like, you're a cheerleader. And it's like, well, she's also a cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> no way. I want to see the receipts. I guess we could get into then show me the receipts. So these are stats about the movie. So what receipts do you have, Kristen? Okay. Some receipts that I have is that this movie earned approximately $90 million worldwide and it's become a cult classic. Yes. And that it also 
was given five direct-to-video sequels because it was that much beloved. <laughs> uh-huh. And what I find so interesting about those is that they really, sort of like a Cinderella story where, like, they always try to pick the person who's, like, the few people that are, like, very big at the time to, yeah. like, star in them. Uh-huh. Those are very similar in that way. So, like, Bring It On Again had... Actually, that was probably the one that didn't actually have any huge stars, but Bring It On... All or Nothing was like Hayden Panettiere right. and, and Solange. Oh my god, wild. In It to Win It was like Ashley Benson <laughs> uh, during her Pretty Little Liars times. Bring It On Fight to the Finish was Christina Milian. Mm. Then they recently, just in 2017, did Bring It On Worldwide Cheer Smack <laughs> with um, <laughs> Christine Prosperi from uh, Degrassi. Mm. So I was excited about that. I, I didn't actually watch that. but And then also there's a stage musical of Bring It On. Oh, so of course. I was actually trying to do some more research into it. Uh-huh. I know we had talked before about how like the music is by Lin-Manuel Miranda and some other people. But like I was watching a performance at the Tonys from 2013 mm-hmm. and like it really sounds like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Like oh, if someone really? was like, listen to this song and tell me who wrote it, you'd be like, yep, it's definitely him. Okay, so women who wouldn't give me the time of day are starting a squad and they want me to play. And if I play, I'll be famous. Give me a hard one. These are no brainers. I don't know what these other brothers are thinking. They must have been drinking. Get it and let it sink in. What are y'all scared? Y'all think children is feminine? Then I'm a feminist swimming in women, gentlemen. Consider it. It's a little different. Isn't it you thinking it's limited? Give it a minute, envision it. Dead in the middle of 70 women on television. Every little bit of precision is magnificent. Like more inspired by it. It's not the story of like Torrance and Missy and oh. the Clovers. It's like a completely like reimagined cast. It actually has the first ever trans high school student oh, wow. role on Broadway. Oh wow. And then because they really wanted to like get into cheerleading mode, most of the ensemble is actual real cheerleaders, not Broadway dancers. Mm-hmm. Actually, a guy that I went to college with, he was a cheerleader in college and he was in the Broadway show doing like <gasps> the cheerleading and I was like, that's so cool. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Wow. So in a way, Bring It On, the musical, if it was made into a movie, it would kind of be like one of the Bring It On sequels. Yeah, definitely. Mm, I see. It's like about them forming their own cheerleading team. Like it's not the same story at all. Mm, okay. For receipts that I have to tie into like from a numbers perspective so the movie was made on like a 10 to 11 million dollar budget and when it opened it was number one at the box office for three consecutive weeks and then like Kristen said made 90-ish million dollars so they made their money back and then to end here Rotten Tomatoes score has a 63% on the tomato meter and a 66% audience score now we move on to what do you think is the impact of Bring It On? I mean, I think Bring It On has had a pretty big impact. Like we said, uh, Arne Grande referencing her, uh, referencing the film, all of the actors gaining really big fame from being a part of this project. I think it's become a cult classic. 
kind of uh, in a way. Just from rewatching it again, I think it tells a really important story that, you know, like we said, we hadn't really um, considered when we were younger. And, you know, the fact that there's like all these sequels and stage musical and all this stuff, like I think that Bring It On is, is still going strong. Yeah, Bring It On. It's a really good movie, period. Not even just to say like, it's a good movie for a teen movie. Like, no, it's actually like a really good movie. And the fact that they managed to integrate all of those serious issues within fun, entertaining, like cheer numbers, like that's really, really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like as a fun offshoot legacy, I feel like I always see so many girls dressed up as Gabrielle Union for Halloween. I feel like one of the big things we've taken away from Bring It On is that like the Clovers deserve everything and that like, yeah, honestly, the movie should have just been about the Clovers. You know what? I feel like if this movie was being made in 2020, it would be from the perspective of the Clovers. Yeah. I would watch that movie and I think Gabrielle Union could still do it. <laughs> and you know what's so funny too? I feel like, did you watch the one with Hayden Panettiere? Oh yeah, with her, oh my God, her dance moves. I feel like that particular Bring It On story was them trying to kind of do like, okay, so what does it look like if we did it from like the Clover's perspective? But that's a movie where that's a very like white savior yeah. narrative. Mm-hmm. So the OG one was more woke. Yeah, also the dancing that Hayden Panettiere did. I, so I feel like there was like a, oh this was another one where there was like a video going around recently <laughs> of being like, did we really think this was good dancing? Because it's not, nothing about this is impressive. Oh my God. But she like starts like crumping. Oh my gosh. What, is that what that was? Because it didn't look like any kind of dance. Yeah, I think that was supposed to be crumping. And that character tries to put herself as like some sort of like authority when it comes to crumping, like as if she knows what crumping is. And then like she does it too. And you're like, what's happening? So please stop. It's awkward. <laughs> yeah, just stay in your lane. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to say about the OG Bring It On before I let you go? I guess the, uh, something else I just want to add that I really enjoyed about this movie was like towards the end as we're figuring out like who's going to win this whole competition. I started getting nervous because I was like, is it going to be the, the Toros? And we're going to like kind of erase this whole story that we've been setting up mm -hmm. about the clovers having this like big victory and prevailing and i was really impressed that they stuck the landing they were like nope the clovers win yeah the toros come in second and they were cool with it everyone was cool with it and nobody made a big deal and everyone was like really happy for the clovers and they proved that they were the better team because they were genuinely better yeah in another teen movie they would have had the toros win and it would have been like not as impactful mm -hmm. and i couldn't remember as i was watching it i was like wait who does win <laughs> and i was so glad that it was the clovers because i think that really to me solidified the message of the movie which was that the clovers deserve everything they were able to really persevere and right. create something for themselves and create a legacy and win. And then it's great to see too that the Toros aren't sore losers. Like they're happy with second. Like second's still good too. And you know what did stand out to me is that the blonde girl who was the one who was very like- Anti, we don't want to change the cheer. Yeah, she was the first yeah. one to say, we did it. Yeah. So even though, you know, she didn't have a big role, you definitely could see that she must have gone on some kind of internal journey. <laughs> Right. In the background of the film, you know? In second place, from San Diego, California, the Rancho Corte Toros! Second place, hell yeah! Oh, see, look at that. Just more reasons to love Bring It On. Yeah. Coming soon to theaters. 
All right, you guys, we've now come to coming attractions. Like always, I'm going to be playing a clip from the movie that we're talking about next week. Oh, man, it has all led up to this. This is, in my personal opinion, I would say the Citizen Kane of our youth. Let's see, hopefully, if you can recognize what movie this is. It's so fetch. What is fetch? Oh, it's like slang from England. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Well, Kristen, before I let you go, would you mind sharing your social media handles with the people so if they aren't already following you, they can find you. Yes. So you can find me on youtube.com slash kmaldo. Kmaldo on Twitter and Facebook. Add a one at the end of that. And you can find me on Instagram. And yeah, and you can check out my new podcast, Pop Culture Planet. Also on my channel and at Pop Culture Planet Podcast on Instagram. Awesome. And if you want to follow the podcast, if you aren't already, you can follow us. We're at Diva Daily's Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can leave us an email. We're Diva Daily's Pod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voice, Voicemail, you can call us for 714-729-3121. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I know there's people out there listening, but I don't see that many reviews. So let's fix it, team. <laughs> and um, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it, girls. <laughs> and um, yeah, if you want to recommend this podcast to a friend, by all means, do that as well. That's basically all I have to say for this week. Kristen, I will see you or we'll hear from you again next week as we cover the Citizen Kane of our childhood. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Stay tuned, kids. Stay tuned. And with that, remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does.